This is the day that the Lord has made.
God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification. Therefore, it is written that the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel.
God created us to love us and to give us eternal life. That's a wonderful thing. That's a little easier to remember, isn't it? Why don't you say that with me? God created us to love us and to give us eternal life. Then there's verse 2. We're not done. Here's verse 2. Our faithful will to equal thee, our rebel will brought death and night. We seized and used the frightful fight, thy wonders did deliver thee. We housed us in the house of doom, where death and royal smoke had grew, until thy servant prince of peace breached all his walls for our wounds. What are those little people? I know, right? Oh my word, we housed us in the house of doom? Oh goodness. So I thought about it for a minute. Here's what those words mean. Our daily sin messed up everything. That's what those words mean. Will you say that with me? Our daily sin messed up everything. Verse 3. There's four of them. Thou camest to our hall of death, O Christ, to breathe our poisoned air, to drink for us the dark despair that strangled our reluctant breath. How beautiful the feet that trod the road that leads us back to God. How beautiful the feet that ran to bring the great good news to man. What does that mean? All right? To bring for us the dark despair that strangled out the wanted breath? That's the problem. Here's what those things mean. God sent Jesus and he came to earth to be our Savior. God sent Jesus and he came to earth to be our Savior. Can you say that with me? God sent Jesus and he came to earth to be our Savior. Yay! When we tell others about Jesus. Say that with me. Yay! When we tell others about Jesus. That's the, the beautiful peace part. Yay! When we tell others about Jesus. That's verse 3. O oh, Spirit, who this once restore thy church, that it might be again the bringer of good news to men. Breathe on thy cloven church once more. What's cloven church? That in these gray and latter days there may be those whose life is praised, each like a high doxology the Father says, and unto thee. Because the Holy Spirit is here.
But here's what I do remember. When I would play the organ and I would make a mistake while I'm playing, I'd go, oops, and then I'd keep playing. And then I'd make another mistake and I'd go, oops. And in his thick old man German voice and accent, he would say to me, there's no oops in me. And that's what I remember about the man who wrote the notes that I would go back to the keyboard. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words and music that are in our hands. And we thank you for our church and filling it with the Holy Spirit. I thank you for these children and our pastor and our bishop.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. My morning routine is when I first get up in the morning, I turn on the TV news and then pause it. And when I get back later to eat breakfast, I can watch the news, but I can fast forward through the commercials. Because I mostly just want to hear about the weather for the day, and the commercials feel like a waste of time. Plus, they can make me want something that I didn't desire before I saw the ad. Advertisers are smart. So often, the commercials will appeal to our attraction to beauty, intelligence, success, and power. And they're effective because we like things that are beautiful, intelligent, successful, and powerful. Because we want to be beautiful, intelligent, successful, and powerful. The world is all about these things, and they are attractive. It's only natural. And as a citizen of the world, it is easy to believe that these are the most important things of life. The world tells you that life is all about becoming more beautiful, more intelligent, more successful, more powerful. And then you come here on Sunday morning and you're confronted by Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross is ugly. There's nothing smart about the brutal violence and humiliation and suffering of the cross. It is utter failure and helplessness. Being far removed from actual crucifixions, you can lose the complete sense of how awful crucifixion was and how it was only used against the worst rebels and criminals. By design, it is one of the most shameful, degrading, agonizing ways to die. The one being crucified is completely at the mercy of those around him, and little mercy is shown. The arms of the condemned are stretched out and nailed to a beam so his hands are useless and his shameful nakedness is on display to all. Hanging like that, the prisoner's chest juts forward. He's forced to work at exhaling instead of inhaling. And he'll quickly grow exhausted and die of suffocation. So in order to slow down the process, the Romans nailed the prisoner's feet to a board so the condemned could push up against the nails and catch a small breath before being overwhelmed by the pain. They might also put a small piece of wood under his backside so that the one being crucified could just squirm in agony against the nails, desperate to catch a breath, feeling always as if he's on the verge of suffocation, hour after hour. The Romans perfected this horrifying method of execution so they could get a prisoner to last two or three days on the cross, constantly praying to die. Through this process, the condemned one is so broken and humiliated that anyone observing it would declare, whatever happens, I do not want to die like that. Crucifixion is utter powerlessness. When you think about God and what God is like, what words come to mind? We know that God is good, gracious, faithful, eternal, 
immutable, almighty, omniscient, omnipresent, holy, just, love. When you think about how you expect God to act, it's easy to want to think that God would also all be about beauty, intelligence, success, and power. It's easy to fall into thinking like the Jews that you want God to work signs. Like King Herod, you want Jesus to perform on command. You want to see Jesus' beauty, his intelligence, his success, his power. It only makes sense. But then there's the cross. The bloody, awful cross slaps you in the face with the truth that God's ways are not your ways. The ways of the world and the ways of God are different. As you are repulsed by the cross and are tempted to seek a cleaner, more beautiful Savior, the words that Jesus used to rebuke Peter echo in your head. Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. The cross is awful, but to want Jesus to skip the cross is satanic. The wisdom of God is found at the cross of Christ. The power of God is found at the cross. Jesus' strength is found in his weakness. And you come to the throne of God in weakness. The world is impressed by beauty, intelligence, success, and power. But Jesus is not impressed. Jesus does not care about that. You see this in Mark 10. They were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them up in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. You come to Jesus as a helpless, needy child. You come to him based not on who you are, but based on who he is. You come to Jesus poor in spirit, empty-handed with nothing but your sin and guilt. Being a Christian is not about being beautiful, intelligent, successful, and powerful. It is admitting that you're an ugly, stupid, weak failure. That's why Christianity is foolishness to the world. The word of the cross is folly. How could anything good come from something so awful? The world rejects Christ on the cross because it expresses their failure and weakness when they try to be good enough. So many churches, especially it seems the mega churches, have pushed the cross of Christ out of its center place and instead teach a message that if you are faithful enough, God will bless you with beauty, intelligence, success, and power. Joel Osteen teaches that you can speak these things into existence by your words. I am beautiful. I am intelligent. I am successful. I am powerful. Sadly, there was a shooter that came into his church a couple weeks ago, but I bring him up because 
He's one of the most prominent preachers in one of the biggest churches in America. But it certainly seems like the cross is foolishness to Joel Osteen. The message of the cross is foolishness to these folks because they are teaching that the good news of Christianity is achieving the American dream. In a gospel of success, there's no room for the cross and often there is no cross visible in their worship space. The people come to church not because they know they're broken and weak, but so they can find out how to be successful in life. What they receive is not the good news. It's not the gospel of Christ. They receive a damning message of try harder, do more, do better. Each week they return to hear again how they can improve if they just do better. They hear how they can achieve beauty, intelligence, success, and power. The world seeks after all these things, but they're all just temporary things of life. They're just fleeting objectives that'll be gone like the morning mist. And Paul warns Timothy that this will happen. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. When people make up a new religion, they take Jesus off the cross or they minimize the cross. Muslims teach that Jesus did not die on the cross, just somebody who looked like him. The Mormons teach that Jesus atoned for sin in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus died on a stake and that the use of a cross is idolatry. They want nothing to do with the cross. We preach Christ crucified. You come into the presence of God here by getting on your knees and confessing that you are a poor, miserable sinner who deserves punishment now and forever. You come to God on your knees admitting your ugly, stupid, failing weakness. Somehow I don't think that's going to make for a very pithy church sign out front. You come to God in ugly honesty. You come to the cross of Christ and Jesus pours out his forgiveness on you. His weakness is his power. His foolishness is wisdom for eternity. Jesus covers over your ugly, stupid, failing weakness with his perfection. Jesus clothes you in his robe of righteousness. He gives you heavenly beauty. He gives you eternal wisdom. He makes you his own child, a member of the king's family. He gives you the crown of eternal life and the unsearchable riches of Christ. The cross is offensive to the world, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so we preach Christ crucified, even though it is a stumbling block and considered foolishness. We have no other option. You called me to be your pastor to preach Christ crucified to you. Christianity is not a set of philosophical principles to help you get along with others and improve your life. Christianity is not about making you beautiful, intelligent, successful, and powerful. Christianity is Christ on the cross for you. 
It is Christ risen from the dead for you. Christianity is you bringing nothing but sin to Jesus and receiving from Jesus forgiveness and eternal life. It is not about you. It is about Jesus for you. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, the peace that is beyond understanding, keep your hearts and minds in true faith until our Lord Jesus returns in glory. Amen. We rise to confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.
that the flood may not sweep over them, nor it close its mouth upon them. And that God would deliver them in, their, in his steadfast love, granting them healing, comfort, and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. That our Redeemer would declare us innocent in Christ of all his faults, and keep us back from presumptuous sins. Let us pray to the Lord. For all who come before the Lord's presence to eat Christ's body and blood on this holy day, that we would boast not of ourselves, but of Christ alone. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord that our God, whose true temple was destroyed by wicked men, yet raised up again in three days, would grant us and all the saints to share in, in the glory of his Son's resurrection. Let us pray to the Lord. Hear us, Heavenly Father, for the sake of Christ Jesus our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever.
preserving your true faith and the life everlasting. Part in peace. Your sins are forgiven.